detour around through the grass, and then there's all these little bitty geese, and the one is like, rock, 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 you know, come with me this way, and so the little ones are following, and this other one of each of the groups are flapping their wings, and <laughs> you know how they hiss? Have you seen it? <laughs> Google it if you haven't. It's scary. So... So there's that going on, and I was like, oh, you stupid geese. You know, I was back into my angry mode. And then I looked, and there's a, a pond there off of Brown Deer Golf Course. And I'm not kidding. There's, like, this violence going on with these with some families of geese. And then in the pond, there was a, a big one and three little ones and an adult one, a goose, just swimming. And so, like, beyond the pond was the sun coming up, and it was it was so peaceful and beautiful, and I thought, wow, God, that really transfers to this morning for us with marriage. Now, I don't know which role, you know, who is the peaceful leading the babies away and who was like, ah, because my husband might tell you that I was probably like the freak protecting, but I don't know. But anyway, they each had their role, and, you know, one was doing the role of leading and protecting, and the other one was following up and protecting, and it just was really neat that God helped me to um, finish my run in a calm state and praising him for the way he ordains each of us to have our role. And, and those geese were, were just a weird but really beautiful picture of how even the geese know their role. And when they were each functioning in their God-given roles, it was just beautiful to watch. So I'll leave that with you to laugh and ponder and whatever. Um, but so do you three want to come on up? We have um, Brent Overton, Jim Goodrich, and John McHale are going to talk to us this morning um, about marriage. And a few, a couple months ago, you all had the opportunity to write down some questions of what you were hoping they might address. And so we've compiled them and um, we'll hear what the Lord has led them to share as well as um, trying to, to touch on questions you have had. So Abby is going to pray for us, and we're going to run this morning kind of interview style, where Abby will ask a question, and you guys, if you don't mind, you can just pass the mic back and forth and take turns like big boys and um, and just and answer them just as, as best you can and as honestly as you can. So, so thank you for being here this morning. Uh, why don't we give them a round of applause for all the things they're going to share, being brave enough to be here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just open our time, just inviting the Lord to come and grace us with his presence and his wisdom. So why don't you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the, the picture that Rachel shared this morning of, um, of your creation following in um, the, the roles, the God-given roles that you've given us as men and women, as parents. Um, and so, God, we pray that you would come this morning, that you would speak through these gentlemen, that you would give wisdom and truth and grace um, to our hearts. And so, yeah, Lord, we thank you, and, and we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, I have to say, I think it's amazing that Rachel's up at 5 o'clock in the morning running anywhere uh, other than to Starbucks. That's where I would be headed at 5.30 in the morning. So, um, well, gentlemen, Rachel shared your names with us, but we don't really know much about you. Um, so if you guys could just kick us off by sharing your, your name again, um, who you're married to, how long you've been married, how many kids you have, um, and, uh, and what you, you do for work, for a job. So 
Uh, who's got the mic? John, you do? Why don't you kick us off? Uh, so my name is John McHale, and I um, am a pastor here at Parkview Church. Been here for about uh, seven months, eight months, and um, the Lord grabbed hold of my life uh, junior year in high school, or junior year in college, I'm sorry, um, just out of a kind of a rough uh, drug scene. Um, and called me into ministry, and I never in a million years would have thought that I would be sitting here as a pastor. Um, but I'm married to Mary, uh, and she we just moved from Dallas, Texas. Um, we were down there studying, and we have one child. Uh, she, we moved here while she was 38 weeks pregnant, um, so she gets a an award for that. Um, but it was just a lot of fun, a lot of good memories. Um, so we have Sawyer Bell uh, as our first daughter, and I think, is that it? What am I missing? How long have you been married? Oh, I've been married for, it'll be four years in December, so. Good that you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's great. Thanks for sharing, John. <laughs> and I'm uh, Jim Goodrich, and I've, we've been married, uh, Lori and I, for 38 years, and children, uh, we have three sets of children uh, with spouses uh, kind of all over the world. Uh, one uh, is in Iraq with Frontier Ministries, and one couple is uh, Aaron and Jessica are in Germany right now, as she's uh, having a baby real, real soon, any, any day now. And then uh, uh, Adam and Rayanne live in uh, Pittsburgh right now, are moving to Houston. But uh, So we have a total of five grandkids and three on the way this summer. Um, and then I work with Athletes in Action. Uh, Lori and I have been doing this as part of the Ministry of Crew. And this is uh, just completed my, uh, as I walked off campus uh, the other day, I thought about, I uh, just w- walked off uh, 40 years of campus ministry. It's kind of amazing how God has blessed us a lot of stay in, stay in the ministry. Thanks, Jim. My name is Brent, and I am married to the woman that runs at 5 in the morning. <laughs> And encourages me to do the same, but just so you know, I slept until six. <laughs> the, um, uh, we've been blessed with two kids, uh, Claire and Seth, and she's 14 and he's 11, and they're amazing. And um, fortunately, they're getting my height and Rachel's looks, so we're doing good. Win-win. I, uh, I work at the Steinle Orthopedic Clinic. And I've been there since 2001. Rachel and I moved here then, and we've been married for 18 years. And been coming here to Parkview for, oh gosh, probably 15. Well, great. Um, We'll go ahead and and get started. I'm going to kick us off. So we all know that God has created men and women differently, yes. Um, And that he's created men with, um, with needs, with women with needs. What would you guys say are the, the priority needs of a man in general? Uh, is this PG? This is the easiest question. <laughs> <laughs> so. And I have the mic. Okay. Please close the doors. <laughs> nice. This is what you sent me up <laughs> This answer is self-evident. Um, so uh, let's, uh, I'll answer it in a somewhat tangential manner to avoid being crass and simplistic. The, um, one of the things I would encourage all of you to do, if you haven't already, it's something that Rachel and I did probably 
you know, it could have been sooner in our relationship is, um, as far as needs go, is, is learning your spouse's and children's love language. And I don't know if you guys do that here or if that's ever been a topic. Um, it's extremely enlightening. Is a lot of times the way we want to give love is how we want to receive love. And a lot of times our spouse does not share that same manner, and that happens to be true for Rachel and I. And um, it was through myself going through a, a men's study about, you know, similar to this, but just trying to be a better man and, and, a, and a Christian man. And so, uh, not to dominate the mic, here we go. The um, when we did the study, what I what I learned about myself is that you know physical touch is important to me. I think that's true to all men to some degree, and I think we are more um, uh, sexual creatures as far as it goes. You know, uh, I think in a lot of times, if you know, women want men to be the initiator. And men want to initiate, um, and that's probably God's plan. But for me, it's not just that, but it's also the physical touch of my wife wanting to be next to me, wanting to touch me, want to pay attention to me. And um, and for her, I was praying very vigorously that that would be the same love language. And it turned out that hers turned out to be acts of service. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. yeah, so, but very educational. So, um, so for my answer to that question is, yes, I think one of the priorities uh, for men a lot of times is, is sex, but also it's uh, um, understanding what your own love language is. Same question. <laughs> I would say, I would add, too, uh, that... Um, what communicates love to me and just our different needs is uh, I think we both have a, on our list of needs, companionship is in there, uh, pretty important to both of us. So we try to carve out times to, to be together. And for Lori, it's uh, really encouraging when she goes goes along with my fun ideas. I'm kind of like the fun meister that uh, plans the uh, fun things, like let's go away for a weekend to Chicago for two nights and see this oldies concert. And uh, she goes along with that. Which uh, encourages me because once we get away, it seems like uh, we make the effort to get away and put the effort into that. Then we get away; it's a really great time. It creates an atmosphere where you actually can communicate and talk about things. And then also, um, there's a little tip. I think when we're together and we have time to communicate, it's really important to turn off our cell phones or put them away. Uh, uh, that really helps. Both of us are are guilty of looking at those too much in our culture, so that helps us uh, feel loved and encouraged. And then. Um, I just add here too, just um, you know, favorite meal too. If you know what your husband's favorite meal is, just to pay attention to that sometimes too. To, that really encourages us to eat food that we really like and and uh, just knowing each other in those areas. So those things that come to mind. But um, being a best friend of, of each other is uh, really important, and um, continue to develop that and doing little things that you know you like to do, whether it's riding bikes together or doing all those different things. Important. Um, so I, I affirm everything that, that they've said. I, I have love languages down, um, and ours are very similar to yours. I, I think there is probably some gender, uh, heavy gender love languages, but that's just my guess. Um, but I would just add, I think deep within every man is uh, the desire to lead, um, the desire to protect, and the desire to provide. Uh, and I think 
I, I think a deep need that I have is, is to do those things and to be that for my family and for my wife. And one of the ways that, that I am most loved by Mary is when she can celebrate that about me, when she can free me up to, to be that for her and for my family. Um, but then also to be sensitive when criticizing those areas. So to maybe um, in an indirect way say, hey, how about we do this? Or, or just kind of, you know, lob me up a softball that I can knock out of the park. Um, and that really, that really helps just kind of um, our marriage grow. And it, it makes me feel like I'm needed. It makes me feel like, like I have a role to play uh, in our home. So. That's great. I feel like what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is that men, in general, men feel loved when their wives are intimate with them or pursuing them or thinking about who they are as an individual um, and, and caring for them in that way. Here's maybe a little tangent question because I think John, you started to get into that. I feel like we often hear, you know, women want to be loved, men want to be respected. I think women do a really good job of loving on their husbands and nurturing um, but what does it look like? What communicates respect to you when your wife does X, Y, or Z, or when women in general do X, Y, or Z? It communicates respect to their husbands. You don't all have to answer. So if one of you has an answer, then I'll I'll give maybe a practical example. Um, so Mary and I are unashamedly complementarian. So we believe the role for the husband is to lead in love, um, sacrificial love. Um, and then the, the woman's role is to submit and support and follow his leadership. Um, and so for us, uh, when we're making decisions, um, I, I, I've learned, I, I wasn't like this when we first got married, but I've learned to really value her voice um, as it relates to my life, but also as it relates to the decisions we make as a family. Um, and so one practical way that I feel respected is when Mary can, can voice her opinion, and um, she, she does that well. She's, she's very uh, intentional about voicing her opinion. And that's part of the reason why I married her, is I wanted someone who would push me uh, when I needed to be pushed. But at the end of the day, she, she would say, hey, you are leading our family, and if you think this is right for our family, I'm following you. Um, and not, not in kind of, like, if she thinks I'm taking the family off the rails, then I think she's going to go, you know, talk to the pastors here, or um, she has freedom to do that. But, you know, within the day-to-day the -day and the big decisions of our marriage, she, um, she will voice that to say, hey, I don't agree with that but I will follow you, and I will support you in this. I'll just add, uh, just being willing to take the initiative, uh, show, show respect might be in the area of just uh, praying together, because uh, sometimes we want to, as men, want to lead, but uh, for some reason, sometimes it doesn't. All, we don't always follow through on that, so it's really, it really helps. I know I really appreciate it, Lori, just... Uh, we pray, and sometimes we don't organize, say, hey, let's meet and pray. We just pray out loud as we're driving the car. Uh, both have the freedom to do that. and uh, So that, that shows respect to me. And then also just uh, her being willing to ask my opinion on things um, is big, too. Before we make decisions, maybe on a financial purchase and things like that are, are huge. So. 
Um, yeah, I got like a thousand things to say, so I got to pare it down. The um, yeah, we'll start playing the music. Okay, yeah, do that. If we got to go to a commercial break, let me know. So the um, this is a huge topic for me. It's uh, and for Rachel and I, I think we have great passion about this exact thing. And I'm going to echo a little bit what these guys said. So you know, let's think about the world that we live in, and um, we live in a world that is pushing a mantra that there needs to be sameness that men and women's equality is the same thing as men and women are the same and that they should be interchangeable. But God's plan is extremely countercultural to that. He does not want everything the same. He wants complementary. That's what he wants. We are not complete unless we complement each other. And so a lot of men and women never figure that out. And they're subject to what society is telling them, and they're trying to fulfill those roles, and it doesn't work. And, you know, by God's grace, he worked very heavy-handedly in my wife and I's early marriage, which is, many of you know, you get hit in the head several times when you have small children. And many of these topics come to a boiling point, and we've all seen it horribly fail, okay? And... Hands up for me for being that person, okay? And so if we look at the roles that we're talking about here and, and, and kind of into is a man's role as a leader in his household and a woman's role of, as the helper. And um, so what, what I would assert is that those roles can get twisted by um, the devil's voice that the man becomes tyrannical and the woman becomes nagging, okay? So that's what we're, that, that's what, that's the pitfall to fall into. And so what, there has to be uh, Christ's guidance in this, which is what men, men have to embrace is that your love is to be willing to die for your wife that you have to have a sacrificial love such that you will sacrifice every one of your core needs to die for her. And that is how you're supposed to live your life. And a woman is supposed to be able to respect and love a man as if he is living his life like Christ. When those are out of balance then it doesn't work. And that's why we're imperfect. And that's why we have to repent to God and why we have to confess failure to our spouses, that we can't do it perfectly. But when we finally understood that, when I could lead but not be perfect, and when I could love my wife in the love language that she needs to support her and for to feel my love, then she was fulfilled. And so we had to completely change how the worldview had, had ruined how our marriage was heading and to fall on Christ's teachings such that I am a better leader and a better lover of my wife and she feels compelled to love me and respect me, not for who I am, but for who I am trying to follow, if that makes sense. That's good. That's great. I feel like I, I heard you say 
to, for us as women to create room for our husbands to lead without feeling like they have to meet a standard of perfection in order to do that. That's, that's awesome. So thanks for your responses on that one. I know it's not on here. So. Um, third question. You know, I think as a, um, a mom, there's sort of a balancing act that we do. There's a lot of needs. Um, I know that when I went from being single to married, you know, my husband became sort of the more of the focus of my life and meeting his needs and um, being his wife was sort of my, like, priority number one. And then our kids kind of came along, and they there's a bit of a tug of war, I think, that we wrestle with in that because our kids are just so stinking needy right from the very beginning. And so, um, and I don't know if they stop. I still have toddlers, so I don't know that I'm praying there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But, um, but I feel like a lot of women in this room have noted that they, they feel guilty for taking time away from the kids to focus on their marriage and their husbands. But then, on the other hand, they feel guilty for not um, making their husbands more of a priority. We feel like we're neglecting the men that we love. Um, and so how would you guys speak to this feeling of, of guilt from your perspective, sort of this like guilt from both ends, um, and helping us find a balance between marriage and the the demands for our kids, so. Awesome question. Um, so probably around the same sentinel time when in our marriage, when our uh, daughter was quite young, and uh, these themes were uh, very evident at that time, and exactly everything that you're saying, uh, we didn't think about it in those eloquent words, but we were, we were, we were experiencing it. And um, there, there's, there comes a moment, so if, as a mom, uh, you know, you get you kind of chase after what you're affirmed and what you're good at, and you you can become an, a complete expert in your child. And if it's your first child, you think that everybody else has absolutely no idea how to take care of your child because you're the only one who has been figured out. And you know that might be your mom or your mother-in-law, and they keep screwing it up. And if dad tries to help, he does it wrong, and it's like you're doing it wrong, and it's like. I'm doing and so it you become that expert but now you're starting to place that child as number one and in that time in your life you know there's kind of a necessity to, to put that focus there but but it, if you start to break down the structure which the structure is Christ first marriage is second and then your children and if if you don't feed your love for Christ if you don't keep your marriage strong you will fail as a parent. You, you will absolutely fail. And um, what, and we touched on this briefly, what needed to happen was dad's way isn't wrong. It's different. Dad's Not way bad, isn't. it's just different. Right, right it's yeah. different. And just like you have to let your kids fail, you have to let your husband fail at times. So, <laughs> so it's my cue. Please be done. Please be done. Right? My wife's saying, "Please be done now. Please be done." So, um, so letting letting the husband have opportunities to fail with the kids and participate is really important. Uh, the other uh, the other part is is if you just keep going with what you're winning at, which is I'm a good mom. I'm a good mom. I'm a good mom, and you keep following that is it'll ultimately lead to you being unfulfilled and the marriage starting to crumble around you. 
And that's where you have to both hold fast to your faith and both hold fast to each other. I would add on the practical side that uh, if, you, if you establish, we did this even when our kids were small and, and uh, it was a circus and all that. Many of you have experienced that. Uh, in the midst of that, we still had a date night each week. And we made it a priority to get a babysitter, do whatever it takes to get that babysitter and go out and talk. And that's when you can talk about some of these things. How's the balance going? How can I help as a, as a dad and husband to alleviate some of the things that you're going through? And how can I pitch in with the kids and help out better? Uh, that's a good time for that. And then um, to communicate that. And then um, also, I think, you know, just a plug for marriage conferences. Uh, Parkview does a great job of having the resources to do that here a couple times a year. And there's a family life conference that Crew does that's just outstanding. Uh, up in Cedar Rapids or Des Moines for a weekend away that you can get away and and have somebody watch your kids and talk through some of these important areas. Sometimes when you get away, you're forced to talk about them just because you're at a conference. It really, uh, the Lord really can work in your life and help you to, to work through some of these things. Um, let's see. Where do I want to go? I think... It's important for us um, to hear that uh, the success of your family does not depend on you. The success of your family doesn't depend on your husband. Uh, It depends on the Lord. And I think I um, and Mary function a lot of times thinking that we are the savior of our families, that... um, the weight of the world is on us. And I think the success of your family does not depend on you. It depends on the Lord. And out of that, when we lift that weight off, then we're freed up to, um, to be human, to be, um, to be finite and do the best we can and trust the Lord with the rest. Um, I think the hard thing in marriage and I mean, my, my kid's seven months old, so I really don't know what I'm talking about. But um, I do understand the concept of tension, living in tension. Um, and it's, it's always going to be a little uncomfortable, but it's a good. And I think the Lord has designed it that way, um, is to um, learn what it looks like to, to be balanced in our lives. Um, but like Brent said, the best thing you can do for your kids is cultivate a healthy marriage. The marriage has to come before um, the kids because out of the marriage flows the home. And so if your marriage is thriving, is beautiful, is full of love and grace, your home is going to be full of those things. Your relationship with your kid is going to be full of those things. If the marriage is full of strife, anger, um, conflict, that's, I mean, we have to understand the way our kids pick up on those kinds of things. And it's a very, very sad thing when a couple is, I mean, it's obvious. You see it even on television, just the damage that can be done. So focus on your husband um, and, and out of that, love, love your kids well. And, and guilt jumps out at me as a pastor, as a counselor. It's, that's a buzzword. And so guilt is transformed at the cross. And so if you're living in a constant state of guilt, that's a miserable way to live. And that's not 
the, the gospel would call us out of guilt. And you can get into conversations on, is it bad guilt or good guilt? Um, we oftentimes set up false standards in our lives, and that's the kind of guilt we feel. Um, and But either bad, bad guilt or good guilt, you need to repent and run to the cross and find redemption there. And then all of a sudden, you're free from guilt, and you're able to love your husband. You're able to serve your kids in a way that is um, beautiful. This, uh, my four-year-old is very articulate and um, strong-willed, and so we'll leave for a date night, and he, you know, the babysitter's there, and he just is like, but mommy, I'll never see you again. But mommy, how will I go to sleep? But mommy, I love to go to restaurants too. You know, it's just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So it's freeing to hear that I can trust Jesus will meet your needs, small one. I'm going to go be with daddy. We'll see you tomorrow. So that's good for my heart. Thank you. Um, so our, our last question, you guys sort of touched on this a little bit. You know, the Bible talks about um, in marriage, wives are called to submit to their husbands. Um, it's a blessing for us to do that. It And instructs husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Um, and so I'm curious, what does this what does this mean? How has this either been really beautifully displayed in your marriage, or how have you sucked at this in your marriage? Um, and then, sort of a second question with that: What would you say to the women in here, um, if there are any, whose husbands are just not they're not Christ followers, or um, they're passive, they struggle in being a, a safe person for their wives to submit to? So. How have you excelled at this or sucked at it? And then what would you say to the wife that is like, I don't know if I can trust my husband to submit. So, no, 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 no. He had the question about sex first, so you got to stick with that yeah, one. Yeah, that's true, so, that's true. That's, yeah. Um, I, I, there's a passage I want to look up. She said but, only one person. Yeah, <laughs> So how have I excelled at this? Or not. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, in your marriage. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is a safe place. Or not is probably more of, of the time. Um, but, yeah, the roles, they, they tend to, in our, in our world, um, they tend to get a, an ugly connotation. Um, so Paul, the language Paul uses is, love, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He died. And I think Brent emphasized that so well. And that has been, that passage has been, like, that's where I live <laughs> with my marriage, is remembering that, oh, no, John, you need to die. <laughs> and um, it's only at that point that I actually can be a good, faithful, loving husband uh, to marry. But then the, the language for the woman is to submit to her husband. And obviously that is uh, not a fun word in uh, 2016. But if I could, like if Mary were here, she would argue that the strongest women are the ones that know how to submit and that it, it actually reflects uh, the greatness of God when a woman can, um, can follow her husband uh, in, a, in a true and real way. But I have, I have really, did, did we say sucked? Is that yeah, a free word in I, here? I don't know. I used it. So I, 
I mean, it, it's, a, I'm, I was a young, I still am a young guy, and so a young guy tends to be quick to speak, impatient, um, and controlling, and arrogant, and that's why this passage has been so good for me, because I, I have had to learn what it looks like to, um, to lay my life down uh, for the sake of my wife. And I, I think it's, it's cool the way that the roles work, because when I learn how to lay my life down tangibly, like in real uh, things, so, so there are ways that I'm going to sacrifice my needs, my desires, things I'm passionate about for the sake of my wife, she flourishes and she wants to follow me because she knows that deep down I'm willing to lay everything down except for the things that I believe are non-negotiable, like being involved at a local church, speaking the word of God into my home, etc. So, yeah, I think I've grown a little bit in the last four years, um, but just could not affirm more of those roles. And then what was the, the, the one was, what would you say to a woman whose husband is, is not a believer or not a Christ follower or um, two things? I think for the, the woman who has a husband who's not a Christian, um, find, like, it's good that you're here, find support from other women, find a local church that's going to preach the gospel into your heart, encourage you in uh, the things of Christ. Um, but Paul actually talks about what, what happens, the kind of ministry a woman like that has. Um, and he, that's the passage I want to look up, but I can't remember. It's, it's when he's talking about divorce, and he basically doesn't, if, if, a, if a non-believing husband is willing to live with a believing wife, then he says, stay, remain with that man. And actually what can happen is you can have a redeeming influence on your kid's life, on your husband's life. Um, and so there's a lot of truth in that reality. Um, but then he says, hey, if, if, the, if the unbelieving husband flees and just runs from the marriage, you're free. And so those would be, that's one of the biblical grounds or divorce, but I, I would definitely find support. I would see the, the great ministry you have to have a redeeming influence on your um, on your family. And if you are in a relationship that is abusive and oppressive, and um, you're married to a butthead that uses this passage to oppress you, you you come talk to us because that is. Um, that is an abomination that is offensive uh, to the Lord, and your pastors and elders would love to step into a conversation. Um, I'd love to step into a conversation, <laughs> but maybe I crossed the line there. Oh. Too late to go back now. Sorry, John. <laughs> uh, I'll just add that uh, we don't uh, talk about this too much, and it is messy at times uh, to figure it all out, but I would say that uh, one tip here, I think, is that we as men want to please you and submit to you, um, I feel like sometimes stronger just to, maybe you want to submit to us and we need to understand uh, how you think. And uh, many years ago, there was a marriage conference here about the caveman. Can't remember how many, anybody went to that one, but they compared men to cavemen. Were you there? Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we need to be told what to do. So for example, I'm sitting in the living room, and Lori's doing, empty the dishwasher. And I'm just sitting there, not thinking about anything. 
if she would say once, once in a while, she'd say, Jim, I really need your help, boom, I'm up, and I'll do it, but I just don't think. It's not up it. to and just She assumes that I, I see the need, I don't see the need. I'm a caveman, so uh, I need to be told. And so uh, I know that that was good at that conference, but it's easy to go up from the conference and then kind of forget those things. But those are really big, I think, tests, at least definitely to me, just to be told what to do so I can help better. How can I help better? How can I encourage you better? And um, I can't vacuum, so I do that a lot. And uh, <laughs> But uh, those are little things, I think, that uh, to submit to one another out of love is really, really important. Okay. And then, um, yeah. Again, as we're down the date nights, we already talked about that, but just create an environment where you can talk through some of these issues. Well, if you have anything, you sort of already spoke to it, so I don't know if you have anything else to add. But. Um, uh, so I think we have just a, maybe another minute or two, right, Rachel? I have the microphone, so I'm kind of in charge, right? Um, so we don't have, that's it for our questions on our paper, but I want to give you guys the opportunity if you have any questions and you'd feel courageous enough to raise your hand, put these guys on the spot. This is your, your opportunity to ask them about marriage, about parenting, about being a dad, um, whatever. So any, any questions you want to throw out? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I think John touched on it a little bit, um, and, and it, obviously grace and what we're talking about is sacrificial or, or servant leadership for a man. Um, part of if we're if we're called to love our wives like Christ loved the church, that means that we're to be a servant leader. Um, and uh, I would say that certainly for me, the um, my my leadership can err towards the dictatorial or the tyrannical, particularly towards our children. You know, for me, um, I, I often will, with our kids, you know, you do it right the first time. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of times that that um, Rachel has to, to remind me that, um, that I need to uh, approach our kids in mercy or in grace. And because my my nature would be we've discussed this we've gone over this yet you continue to screw up and so i want to bring the heavy hand and uh, what's helpful for me in that part of, of my uh, being a father is how many times have i failed my father and yet he always comes back to me in grace and forgiveness and it doesn't mean that we're supposed to allow our kids to just run roughshod. Uh, we have to unconditionally love them, but not unconditionally approve of their behavior. It's two different things. So, um, but when I, you know, when I, it comes time for justice, because I'm not a perfect judge, then sometimes I need to come to them in grace. And, and the other thing that's really important with your kids is because they'll see particularly sons with their fathers mother, and daughters with their mothers, is they see you as perfect, like you don't mess up. And we all know we do. And so sometimes they get this false sense of our perfectness. And we need to constantly share with them about how we have to go to the Lord 
asked for help and that we rely on the Lord and the Lord gives us judgment and wisdom and that's where we go to. And I think that that part of being graceful with our kids is, you know, okay, when, when I have this problem and I mess up, you know, I, I talk to God about it or I talk to Jesus and um, that's kind of part of graceful punishment. Now with my spouse, she can tell you whether I'm graceful or not, um, but because we understand our roles and we're not perfect, but we keep trying to achieve those roles, that there's a natural grace there. Is she wants to be, you know, um, allow me to lead and then allow me to fail. And then I want to serve her, but allow me to fail. I was just add real quick too, it helps too if you're willing to just say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Even, even if you don't think you're the wrong one. And, um, and then when the other person says it, make sure to say, I forgive you. That's, that's probably my struggle sometimes. Uh, she says, uh, please forgive me. <clears throat> I love grace. Um, we have a, a big portrait on our wall. Uh, it says a place of grace. It's kind of the mantra in our marriage and in our home. Um, we grew up in, in moralism, um, we, which is a false gospel, and just kind of having the standard there. And it was when we met the standard, we earned the approval of our parents. And that basically taught us that that's how you um, earn the approval of, of the Lord. And um, just hate moralism. But wanted to um, just really be about grace. And um, grace doesn't, Brent talked about this, grace does not mean that we absorb everything. Grace doesn't mean that we don't confront. It, grace presupposes that there is a standard, that there is truth. It's unmerited favor. And when we fail, which we will do, um, I think, at least in our home, we get stuck in this this place where we need, like, I feel like I need to be a perfect husband, where Mary needs to be a perfect wife. And when we fail, we, you know, hang our head down and walk in a bunch of guilt. But we try and remind each other, hey, you're a sinner. You're not a perfect husband. Um, and, and just speak grace over that. That's why Jesus came. That's why you need a Savior. Um, and I think that that is the idea of grace, that, that is where marriages, that is where homes flourish, is when um, every, every other place in the world is going to speak law over um, you. you. You're wrong, you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. What, what would it look like to have kids, the only place they hear grace is at the table in the home? Um, I, I think we'd see a lot more fruit in our uh, discipleship. Thank you guys for your responses today. Just thank you for being willing to sit up here and field some questions and give us some insight. We really appreciate you and, and your time and your um, your willingness to be here. So are you guys able to stick around a little bit longer? Okay. So these guys will be around. Um, we're going to move on to the next thing, but these guys will be around for the morning. So if you have questions um, or if you have a more something they said really resonated or caused you to have a follow-up question, feel free to just grab them. Um, and ask, but we're going to actually move into 
um, a time at our table. So um, at your table, you'll see we have some discussion questions for you guys this morning um, based on this topic and some of the things these guys shared. So um, feel free to, we'll take a little break here. So if you need to use the restroom, feel free to grab more um, yummy breakfast snacks and, um, and then come back here in, I don't know, five-ish, ten-ish minutes um, and begin um, fielding some of these discussion questions at your table. So.